You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Uh-huh. I just feel like I've been around the block, ripping up fantasy stock, working around the clock. Look at the view from the top. Researching rookies a lot? No, I just be listening to pods, yeah. One in particular, I'm just a messenger, let me just pass on the rock. Uh. Browning, brunning, bruning, pronouncing ain't what he's doing. What he's doing is not losing, but infusing you with new things. And there's Dennis the Bennett, yeah. The man is a menace, yeah. Building a dynasty, some of the finest things. Promise you, you won't regret it. Mm. Slice a fox, cultured in pop, give him his props. Here is a thought, here is a box, and you cannot compare him at all, so don't even try. Careful with the news, but when you use a take, I take up Tony Fire, I mean dire, because anyone else is a huge mistake. Whoa, fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, yeah. Fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, hey. Fantasy round table, fantasy, fantasy round table, Whoa. fantasy round table, come take a look at the crown, baby, go. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Football Roundtable Podcast. My name is Matthew Fox and I'm joined by Dennis today. Uh, Matt Bruning is not with us today. If you have been following his saga on Twitter, you know he is still recovering and we wish him the best and we will try not to shame him as we uh, run the show with just the two of us today. Uh, We are part of the Pigskin Podcast Network. Wanted to let you know that right off the top. A lot of great podcasts on that network and in all the networks associated with us. You can find them under the hashtag TPPN or at PigskinPodNet. So I encourage you to check that out. Before we dive into a busy championship weekend, Dennis reminded me the Senior Bowl was actually firing up. And we have a few other news and notes uh, that we'll try to do better than Schefter on. Uh, Dennis, how has your Monday been? You know, my Monday's been good. It's it you know was up to twenty eight degrees today, so that was nice. But I hear we're getting an inch and a half of ice on Thursday, so I got that to look forward to. Yay, airlines! Um, now I'm having a good day. Uh, I'm pretty excited. I'm, I'll be on Sirius XM channel eighty seven with uh, Mike Dempsey on Football Diehards tonight. I'll be on around eleven o'clock. You can join Mike at ten. Uh, if if you if you don't get enough of me on on today's fantasy football roundtable, that is. So I'm I'm pretty stoked about that. Uh, just got my new Jackson Smith and Jigba jersey. My wife got me for Christmas, hung up. So that's looking good and feeling great. So I'm having a great day. And how about you? Doing pretty good. Today uh, is what they call the warm before the storm. Uh, We're getting polar vortex air. Today was a nice 62, so I was glad that I was in my office from 6.45 a.m. until a little after 4 p.m. So I really soaked up, you know, being in the basement of a four-story building, I really soaked up all that sun. But Wednesday, it's supposed to be a high of like 16 and a low of negative 5, so we're definitely in for a rude awakening. Well, I can relate to that uh, that basement stuff. I have a corner office. It, it's an inside corner across the hall from the other offices that have windows, but, you know, the corner office nonetheless. Well, we're going to dive in and take a look at uh, some of the news that's going on. 
We had yet another coaching hire. Josh McDaniels is fleeing the New England Patriots and agreed to become the head coach of the Las Vegas Raiders. I was told there was a press conference, so it feels a little more realistic than when he uh, supposedly took the job in Indianapolis. Uh, but Dennis, what are your thoughts on McDaniels and the Raiders? Well, he seems to have pushed his chips in on J- uh, not Jacobs on De- Derek Carr. At least he's saying all the right things. They brought uh, a GM from the Patriots with him. So they are they already have a working relationship. Now it comes down to preparing for the draft. You know, we, we saw they've got opportunities at wide receiver. Um, so who knows? Really, we, you know, Jake, uh, Jacob. McDaniels had a spotty tenure in Denver, as you're well aware. Uh, He's really been successful as Belichick's uh, offensive coordinator, but frankly, the branches of that tree have not been very fruitful. But it's what? it's That was 10 years ago or more when he was in Denver. So it's been quite some time. I'd like to think he's, he's improved. He's worked on his his technique it'll be interesting to see who he brings in as coordinators and you know you know one thing i i know like one thing i always find frustrating with new head coaches i get you have a system but like defensive coaches come in and they're like hey we're going to switch from a 4-3 to a 3-4 but they don't have personnel to run it or we're going to go from a zone blocking to a man blocking and they don't have the personnel to to run that on the line and so the teams really struggle not not that saying you don't want to implement your system, but at some point you have to figure out, I think coaches need to do a better job transitioning if they're going to change a system that drastically. So uh, we'll see who he gets, who he brings in. Yeah. And I would say probably the biggest hardship that he had when he was in Denver was not, I mean, I'm going to say he wasn't an incredible coach on the field, but it was probably the player personnel management uh, that really, um, kind of bit him in the end. And it's uh, nice that uh, he is bringing one of his guys from the Patriots. Um, So, you know, maybe he's learned a little bit from that. The good thing for him, they don't have any real star wide receivers for him to ship off. That seems. Are you picking on me and my Brian Edwards love? Is that what that is? (laughs) No, I was just thinking. My Zay Jones love. uh, I was just thinking about when he came to Denver, he made sure he shipped Brandon Marshall out. That was the first thing he did with uh, to replace him with Jabari right. Gaffney. And all he's got is a, a room full. Maybe he'll go uh, get Nikhil Harry, uh, try, try to bring him back to life. Uh, but now it, it's interesting. The What's been really interesting is, I don't know if you read the early reaction from players wasn't um, gushing or excited about their new coach. Um, but more sort of lamenting what happened to Rich Bisaccia, uh, well, which is an interesting – But how much off. of that is media framing? I mean, I, I mean, you look at it, Bisaccia, he really rallied the team. I, and it's easy to say. I, I feel like he earned the shot. Mm-hmm. But often, and I think most often, we've seen that uh, – the interim coach becoming the head coach doesn't typically work out. And they went through a lot. It was easy to galvanize a team uh, and bring them all together based on the challenges they were facing. I mean, it was either going to fall completely apart or they were going to rally around each other. And Derek Carr is a a rally around each other kind of guy, rah-rah kind of guy in that regard. So th- there were some of those pieces in place. I, I think Bisaccia has earned an opportunity to be a head coach. And I-, I suppose in a perfect world, I would have liked to have seen him get it there. But I can understand Mark Davis wanting to, you know, he's he loves a big splash. And McDaniel certainly fits that. Well, and it certainly seemed like that's what he was going to be going for all along. He really made no secret, um, you know, Probably the only surprising thing is that it wasn't Jim Harbaugh because that seemed to be who he was kind of courting. The Vikings coach Jim Harbaugh? That would be the most fascinating because the two places that seemed most logical for him to make the jump were the Raiders and the Bears, who both have filled their openings. 
it would be fascinating, I guess, to see him go to the Vikings. There are a lot of actually, I'll be honest, I mentioned to you off air, but I was thinking, oh, we must have filled most of the head coaching slots. No, they're mostly open. And I forgot some of these teams, like the Vikings, you haven't really heard anything about how they're doing with their GM and coaching search, other than it came out now that they're they're trying to get an interview with Harbaugh. The Jaguars are set to interview Basaccia, and they flew out Vic Fangio, which I thought were kind of interesting choices. I forgot the Dolphins didn't have a head coach until I saw him on the list. I was like, oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, it seemed like uh, Brian Flores was this hugely hot candidate that was going to get snapped up, and he hasn't really landed anywhere. It's It's been an interesting period that we haven't seen more coaching movement and almost all of the big coordinators who people were pursuing their teams are now out of the playoffs. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with Leftwich or with a B enemy. Some of these guys who have a chance um, to interview, it'll be curious to see where it goes. Yeah. B enemy is the, probably the most curious because I know he's had one or two interviews, but I would have expected he'd have had a lot more. We'll we'll see. Yep, we'll see. Well, one piece of news we got this weekend that uh, may or may not be true is, you know, it started to have some rumblings when we were on air on Friday, but it seemed like on Saturday, Adam Schefter all but guaranteed that Tom Brady was retiring. Tom Brady has been less sure that he's retiring. In fact, I heard, uh, I listened to Sirius XM and he has his show Monday nights, probably right about now when we're on the air, where he does his weekly radio show with Fitzgerald and Jim Gray. And their advertisement this week was him explaining all the reasons why he hasn't decided to retire. So what do you make of this situation? It seems like Schefter's credibility took a real hit with all this. I think it was initially broke by Rick Stroud, who is a, a Buccaneers reporter, and then confirmed by Schefter. You know, when players of that magnitude retire, they want to do it their way. And with Tom Brady, he's at, he's probably as much of a media presence now as he is a football player, at least – the, the the split has been getting narrower and narrower. Um, and so I feel like there was some, there's some part of it where he had confirmed it with the expectation that it would get sad on, but somebody leaked it or maybe it was supposed to leak at a certain point. So some of it could get out there. And I, but I feel like the announcement was really today, going to be today. I, you know, I don't know. I, I haven't listened. You know, I'm doing this, so I'm not listening to the show. So we'll see what what floats across the the Twitter mentions here in a little bit while we're talking. I mean, I, I get it. He's, you know, you're competitive, but he also one of the the biggest what makes football players most successful is their competitiveness, and and the most successful ones figure out how to channel that competitiveness after football. And Brady has done that with the TV 12 brand, with the media stuff. He has really sort of started to to pivot to become this entrepreneur and this media guy. And, And he wants to spend more time with his family. He is a family guy. It all makes sense to do it and and to shift that competitive urge into non-football playing. But we'll see what happens on his show tonight. Yeah, I'll be curious. You know, part of me almost feels like after some of the rebuttals, he may wait. And it would have made sense to me that he would have waited probably till post-Super Bowl, kind of in that maybe later February or early March time frame. So let me ask you this. What does your gut tell you? Is Do you think he is going to retire or is he going to reverse and come back? And if he does retire, does that sort of help? You know, it seems like Schefter took quite a hit, not that we're his PR people, but I saw a lot of um, teeing off on him. If Brady does ultimately retire, does that bode well for him? Well, I, I think a lot of the teeing off on him was probably, you know, Tampa Bay fans. 
Tampa Bay people that that really that they you know they look at Blaine Gabbert and Kyle Trask and they're like, look, man, you just can't. Um, <laughs> That's how we know. all look at Blaine Gabbert. <laughs> you know, they're like, look, we don't want to be the Steelers with Haskins and Rudolph. You can't do this to us. I I think though, if Brady does retire, I'm not going to be surprised. To I mean, Gronk is as good as gone. Uh, it wouldn't be surprising to see uh, Arians go to kind of say, you know, I think Which I've had enough. Godwin not come back. Leftwich may back. end up going to the Jaguars. Right. So it, it's there's a lot of moving parts there, and I, I feel like if if I had to if I had to put money down on it today that he's played his last game, I would probably take take the yes. Um, but if he comes back. He, he's, he, you know, he's, he's the kind of dick that goes, all right, I told you not to tell anybody. You told people, guess what? I'm coming back. See, part of me thinks that he, he was leaning towards retiring, but wasn't like a hundred percent set, which I feel is like, uh, is a little bit what happened to Peyton Manning kind of in the wake of that um, Super Bowl. We all thought he probably was going to retire, but he said he wanted to take some time and to think about it. And these guys, you know, com- competitive being a football player has been part of Brady almost his whole life, you know, going from high school to college and more than 20 years in the pros. So it probably is a lot to think about. I felt like at the end of the season when we asked these questions, <clears throat> that it felt like to me he might come back for one more year, kind of a farewell tour year. Right. I still think that that ends up happening. Okay. But we'll see. At this point, nothing in in the NFL or anywhere else should surprise us. No. Well, one thing we definitely know is happening is the Senior Bowl, and uh, things started to heat up. I believe the Senior Bowl is Saturday. Saturday. Yes. You know. Getting my dates in there. I figured they picked the week between uh, between actual meaningful NFL games. I don't really consider the Pro Bowl any kind of a meaningful NFL game. Uh, but the Senior Bowl is kicking off this week. And, Dennis, you've been following all the latest news. Why don't you tell the people some things you are looking out for this week? Well, you know, it's really surprising that the all the top quarterbacks showed up at the Senior Bowl this year. I think that kind of tells you a little bit about – what the general consensus is on this class. Uh, you know, there there is no Josh Allen, Baker Mayfield, no, you know, Matthew Stafford that's the consensus number one pick kind of guy. Uh, so there, you got Pickett, you got Howell, you, you've got Malik Willis, Carson Strong, Desmond Ritter. And, and a couple guys I'm looking at is, like, in my tier two, Right now, I have Carson Strong. He's a big quarterback out of Nevada, started for three years, uh, completed a high percentage of his passes, has a cannon arm, and not mobile at all. Like he, He's like Tom Brady mobile, uh, already at 22 years old. So I, I want to see, can Carson Strong manipulate the pocket? Does he have pocket presence? I mean, you don't have – not every quarterback has to be, you know, Justin Fields type of athletic or Jalen Hurts type of athletic to be successful in the NFL. Uh, you can still be a pocket passer and be successful. So I want to see, can Carson Strong stand up in the pocket, manipulate the pocket, playing against some some pretty good players. The second guy I want to see is, well, how will Malik Willis handle the step-up in competition? Uh, you know, he played – was he at North Dakota State, too? Is that where he was? He was at one of the, the one of the directional schools out there in the Plains, Upper Plains. Talking about Malik Willis? Oh, no, he was at Liberty. Liberty, he was at yeah. Liberty, yeah. So, you know, he, he I want to see him play against some, some better competition and see how he handles that. Uh, he, while he's very athletic and has a really good arm, he hasn't typically looked to run – but he also hasn't played a, a lot of really, really strong competition. So he's been able to kind of stay back and, and not have to figure that stuff out. From the running back standpoint, I, I'm interested in uh, University of Cincinnati and former Alabama transfer Jerome Ford. 
It's I've got two guys on the list here, Jerome Ford and Abram Smith out of Baylor. And it's funny because when I first wrote my note, I was like, oh, Jerome Ford, he came in a little smaller than expected. And then I looked at Abram Smith and I remembered him playing uh, against Ole Miss. I'm like, oh, that dude looked like a hoss. And they're like almost exactly the same size. And so it was like, oh, well, maybe he's not that small. Ford was like just under 5'10 and 209. And Smith is like 5'11 and a quarter and uh, 211. Both of those guys, I'm I'm curious to see, you know, is Ford going to be able to pick up the blitz? Can he catch the ball? He's got pretty good speed. He was a good enough uh, player coming out of high school that he was recruited by Alabama. Uh, and then he transferred to get playing time. Abram Smith out of Baylor is a really intriguing prospect. He ran with a lot of power in that old, old miss game, put up 172 yards. He was a senior breakout, but when I went back and looked at his, you look at his stats and he had virtually no stats the first three years, but he was playing linebacker. It's like, oh, well, wait a minute. No wonder he didn't have much stats. He was playing linebacker and special teams, but he, he rushed for like 1,600 yards as a senior at Baylor. Uh, Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama. Again, it's another guy. I want to I, I want to see, can he make the step up in competition? Uh, he's got good size, good speed. An interesting prospect to me from the wide receiver spot is Christian Watson out of North Dakota State. He's a big guy, 6'4", 221, I think. Uh, how is, you know, We've seen quarterbacks translate better to the NFL uh, out of some of these schools, but we also see a lot of wide receivers that make the transition uh, in, into a role, you know, Antonio Brown out of, uh, I think he was at Western Michigan, uh, some of these small school guys. Watson, I want to see how he runs, how he moves at 6'4 and 220-ish. I, I want to see, is he going to be a project? Is he a guy that we're going to look to see, oh, or they're going to try to Darren Waller him and move him to tight end, or are they going to let him play wide receiver in the NFL? At the tight end position, one of my favorites is Grant Calcaterra. Uh, he played at Oklahoma, looked like he, he was the successor to Mark Andrews, showed all of the same type of stuff, great pass catcher, not a terrific blocker. A little bit smaller than Andrews, 5'255". Um, but I want to see, you know, Calcaterra actually retired because of concussions. And then he came out of retirement, and I forget where he went, but it was a smaller school. Uh, but I want to see, is, is he going to make that transition to that H-back, that that receiving tight end, uh, and, and be able to be as productive as someone like Mark Andrews? And I know that's asking a lot. And the last guy I'm interested in is Trey McBride out of Colorado State. He came on and was really sort of lighting it up a little bit this season. Uh, but again, he's another guy, only 6'3", 248 pounds. Is he going to be able to make the transition to the NFL, be a significant enough asset in the blocking game, or is he going to end up being just a receiving kind of tight end? You know, Andrews was drafted behind behind here, uh, Hayden Hurst, uh, because he was seen as just a receiver uh, and is – McBride or Calcaterra, are they going to fall into that same mode? Are they going to be able to, to be on the field? So those are just a few guys I'm kind of keeping my eye on this week. Yeah, and to answer your question, Calcaterra went to SMU That's right. to finish out. Uh, before we move on uh, to our next uh, little bit where you uh, – you can tell people uh, how they can get excited about the Super Bowl. Uh, I figured I would circle back on Brady. Um, Adam Schefter, of all people, has actually posted a quote uh, from his uh, – we mentioned he was going to talk and address this on his show, Let's Go, <clears throat> which airs Monday nights on Mad Dog Radio. Brady said, we're in an, such an era of information and people want to be in front of the news often. I totally understand that. I understand that's the environment we're in. I think for me, it's literally just day to day. So not exactly an unequivocal no, but not a yes. I it still makes me think he's mulling. Yeah. Well, 
We're about to talk about the teams that made it into the Super Bowl. Uh, but maybe if your team didn't make it into the Super Bowl, how can you make sure the Super Bowl experience is still super, Dennis? Well, it's the moment we've been waiting for since September. And it's finally here. In honor of the big game, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customer 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TPPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TPPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56. 21 or older, minimum age uh, and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.com Sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsibility, responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibitive, prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the Tennessee Red Line, 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NEW-YORK, H-O-P-E-N-Y, or text HOPE-NEW-YORK, H-O-P-N-E-N-Y, 467-369. I have to be honest. I'm really glad you got that. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, man, I should have looked at this a little closer. I didn't realize. Oh, yeah, they did. So much. They changed so much. All right. Well, we're going to dive in to the championship games. Uh, hopefully, you guys all knew there were some championship games yesterday. And for the second weekend in a row, we got a couple of fun competitive matchups. I have to be honest, the AFC game in the early first half looked like it was going the other way. At one point, uh, I believe they were up what 21 to three. Yeah. So I was, I was worried that the Bengals weren't even trying, but my worries turned out to be for not as the Bengals come back and pull it off with a 27, 24 win. And that is right. Joey Burrow is taking his team to the Super Bowl. So the Bengals pulled it off. They beat the Raiders. Then they went in and beat the Titans and they beat the chiefs in Kansas city. What has impressed you about their run this season? Well, I'm going to piss off a whole fan base right now and talk about Ohio State quarterback Joe Burrow. <laughs> now, you know, Cincinnati is just – he has brought a resiliency to the team and, and a belief that they can get it done. Uh, I, I'll be honest, in the first half, I was like, oh, well, thought I was going to get a good name, good game, but maybe there's a second half. Maybe they can turn some things around. Uh, they've shown some fight. Cincinnati just kept plugging away, and their defense improved. They made adjustments, and they were able to make some stops, get some timely stops. That stop at the end of the first half, um, keeping them out of the end zone, was a really, really big thing, and it, it kind of stopped the momentum a little bit. And in the second half, Cincinnati was able to kind of do their thing, Uh T. Higgins went off and had another good game. Uh, Joe Mixon ran the ball really well, uh, ended up with 88 yards. He got three passes for tw uh, 27 yards. And who would have ever thought, you know, I was going to say, how much did he key Ryan and a 46 yard screen pass? Boy, all the people that uh, that took, Mick, took a chance on Mixon in our playoff bracket were like, of course, of course, it's P. Ryan. Well, and it was, I felt bad. It looked to me like uh, CJ Uzoma had tore his Achilles, but apparently it's just an MCL sprain. But the way he was kind of hopping off with it, it looked like he, he had another Achilles injury. And he, he had one a couple of years ago. So I was a little concerned there, but Drew Sample stepped in, did well. Uh, he didn't step in as well as Kendall Blanton did in the Rams game, but he he, he stepped in and, and played he, he played the role he was supposed to. Uh, he only caught one pass for four yards. Uh, 
it wouldn't surprise me if there's maybe a little too tight end stuff going on in two weeks if Uzoma makes it back, given uh, the Rams pass rush and the, the uh, Bengals offensive line. But the Bengals believe in each other. Jamar Chase and Joe Burrow have brought a belief to that team that was probably there. Just people were not necessarily uh, as open about expressing it. And Joe was just like, screw it, man. I think we can win. We're going to win. And then when you got the kicker like a week ago, and he's like walking out on the field and looks at Joe and goes, well, looks like we're going to the NFC championship game. I mean, their balls are getting big all up and down that roster. Yeah, and you know we know Burrow was good, and I, you know, I believed in Chase and Higgins. They have a lot of weapons. I think what was most impressive to me, um, especially the last couple of weeks, is the way that defense has kind of come around and played very tough, uh, very underrated. I mean, there, I think all of America had a collective groan when the Chiefs won the coin toss for overtime but that defense came up and and stood really tall Eli Apple could have picked off the first pass on that drive and then Eli you know, Apple yeah well at least he's no Jaquiski tart no. uh but you know then they bracketed uh, um Tyreek Hill and made a nice play on that ball and got it going but the other thing that I think was super impressive and very key to their victory is that line played a hell of a lot better yesterday than they did the week before because that was a major concern for me bro got beaten up a ton against the titans yesterday i think they they said one sack uh i forgot to look it up yeah, totally but like i know melvin they, ingram had one sack that was it yeah and that the the Bengals actually out sacked the chiefs um which you know i think is a credit to that offensive line the way they stepped up guys like drew sample who came in and were helping chip and block guys like mixon and and p ryan who were there and and changing some of the offensive strategy to get the ball out quick to make adjustments to make sure that that wasn't a liability and i thought that was impressive it's going to be fascinating uh to see now zach taylor going against uh, the coach that he worked for in sean McVay as they go to the super bowl and I'm pretty excited about the matchup. Yeah, it it I I want to see can they handle the Rams offensive or defensive line. That that's going to be big. Von Miller, uh I think he added a, a dimension to the line along with Aaron Donald. He gave them a strong inside outside game. Um I I'm I, I got to be honest, I'm fretting Miller going and lining up against Isaiah Prince. Yeah. Uh, it's Prince is, you know, I'm not going to say he's not good because he's in the NFL. By NFL standards, he's got some opportunities. Um, but to watch that when Sam Hubbard was spying uh, on Mahomes on that one play and then just took off like a rocket and didn't get faked out by Mahomes on that one sack, that was just the most beautiful play. Eli Apple playing tough defense. I mean, Apple is kind of – he's kind of starting to remind me of Crevon uh, uh, Diggs. It's going to be a touchdown for somebody. Could be Apple, could be the receiver, but somebody's going to get a touchdown. Yeah. Uh, let's hope he doesn't draw Cooper Cup. Oh, my God. Uh, all right, so on the flip side, you know, fourth straight AFC championship game for Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid and the Chiefs there. They come up a little bit short at home. Uh, you know, it seems like they're still one of the powers in the AFC, but we do, definitely saw during the regular season the gap between the Chiefs and other AFC teams closed down quite a lot. We had mentioned going into the playoffs how they had lost to each of the other division winners during the regular season. End up coming up short here. Where do you see the Chiefs going next season? You know, I, I feel like from an offensive standpoint, they need to get more balanced. Um they got lucky with McKinnon coming on this year. But I, I think, you know, it's it's Kelsey, it's Hill, it's Mahomes playing YOLO ball. Mahomes playing YOLO ball. And th they need to get more consistent so that or, or more balanced so that other teams can't just sort of shut one person down. 
Byron Pringle started to step up this year, and he was he was doing pretty well. Maybe he'll be the guy next year, but I think he's going into his fifth or sixth year. So I, I don't know. Uh, you know, I'm not looking for a Brandon Lloyd type breakout, um, but I think they need to get balanced. They invested a lot of money and a lot of at resources in their offensive line this year. I think they need to hold it together and continue to improve, and then they need to just keep building on their defense. Um, they didn't get they got pressure on the quarterback all season, but they didn't get a lot of sacks. So if they can start to convert that pressure into sacks, that defense will take pressure off the offense, and that will allow them to be able to um, to play a more complete game. And that you know it's interesting you bring up that that complete game. I, I agree with that. It's been weird. Um, you know, CEH came back off of injury and was presumably available. He had six carries, got outcarried by McKinnon, seemed to be much less of a factor than McKinnon, not just last week, but in the other playoff games. What do you think about him long term? Um, yeah, I, McKinnon or CEH? CEH. Oh. Yeah. Um, I still feel like he, he's the guy there, but I feel like the guy there is – you know, a 12-touch, 14-touch guy. And to me, that's sort of indicative of where they need to go for the balance. Uh, if they can get a running back that's a 15- to 17-touch guy every week and being productive, then that's going to allow some of the other things to come together. You know, Kelsey's getting older. Uh, you know, he, he finally his streak of tight end one was finally broken for fantasy. You know, I, Blake Bell isn't the long-term successor. Uh, I I don't know. You know, it's hard for me to say, well, I, they have to change X because I do a fantasy football podcast and Andy Reid's a long, long-time NFL coach and he's taken a lot of teams to the playoffs. Um, but the the glaring thing for me is, is getting more balance on the offense and – getting some more playmakers on the defense so they can get to the quarterback consistently. Yeah. And I think that's something they're definitely going to have to take a hard look at. I I'm kind of with you. CH probably still the guy there, but I think there's a lot of people that, that spent a one one on him a couple rookie drafts ago that have some regrets. Yeah, they certainly do. It'll be, it'll be interesting. I know that, uh, you know, there's a lot of conjecture about, who calls the plays? So if Bienemy does leave, it will be interesting to see sort of what happens there with the coaching staff and how that affects their game plans. Well, in the uh, the nightcap, the NFC game was in Los Angeles, SoFi Field, same place we're going to be back in two weeks for the Super Bowl. The Rams hosting the 49ers. The 49ers came in having beaten the Rams six straight times over the last three years and ended up falling just short, 20-17, to 17, as Matthew Stafford makes good. Uh, it was nearly a year to the day from coming to the Rams, getting them into the Super Bowl. But before we look at the Rams, San Francisco, they fought hard. I didn't think Jimmy G played too bad. At one point had them up 10 points going into the fourth quarter. His final pass ends up being a bit of a disaster, which I wouldn't put all on him since he was wearing Aaron Donald. Uh, but was that his last snap as a 49er? I, I think it was. I'm, uh, Mike Silver, uh, um, a national reporter, I believe, or maybe a 49ers beat reporter, did a had a, a talk with Garoppolo, and he reported that Jimmy told him that he understood that that was his last game as a 49er. Uh, I think from where, you know, from where Jimmy sets, it's he's good enough to be a starting quarterback in the NFL. He's not a top five. He's probably not a top 10, but there are 32 teams. So he's, he's somewhere between that, you know, 20 to 32 range, probably, uh, you know, Brady retires, Ben is retired, you know, there's going to be some opportunities for a veteran quarterback. Uh, you know, New Orleans is going to have opportunities. It, it's just a situation that 
he kind of shot him. He 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 gets. He's just good enough. It's like he's. He, are you familiar with the Peter principle? You know that part where you get promoted. You, you get promoted up until the level of your incompetence. That's where Jimmy Jimmy G is. He he's a good quarterback. He comes in. He plays well. But there, there's a, a point where he just needs to take another step, and he just doesn't have that other step. Whether that was because there was too much pressure from, from the Rams line, so the, the offensive line let him down. Um, whether it was his thumb, you know, he stated that he's that every throw he had pain in his thumb. We know that, that the, the fact that he came back, I do believe – that he put the team in the best chance to win over um, Trey Lance this year. But I, I also believe that in the 49ers world, it's widely understood that he's on his way out the door and Trey Lance is the starter from, you know, as soon as free agency hits. I mean, it feels a little bit like the situation that Mahomes had his first year yeah. um, behind Alex Smith. Yeah, you know, I thought he played pretty well. I, I thought he played um, pretty well in the playoffs too. I'm still curious that they they didn't do any specialty packages for Lance or any kind of interesting wrinkles in their offense. They played it pretty straight. I'm with you. I think Jimmy G ends up starting somewhere in 2022, but definitely not in San Francisco. On the other side, the Rams and Stafford made a Super Bowl. Um, you could see, I don't know if you watched the post-game press conferences, you could see kind of how much it meant to him and when they were showing his wife up in the stands. What, uh, what are you expecting from the Rams? They could become the first team to win the NFC Championship game and Super Bowl, both at their home stadium, and the second team in a row to win a Super Bowl at home. Yeah, you know, I, I picked the Rams and the Browns. Uh, preseason. Uh, only one of those two teams made it. I was a year early on the Browns. The Browns were my pick to win, uh, but when the Browns went out, I sticking with the Rams. Uh, it, it was a little disheartening to see uh, their running game not perform very well. I suppose one of the things they've got going for them is they're going up against Cincinnati who who can give up some, some runs. Uh, you know, but they've got Cooper Cup. They they've got Odell Beckham. Beckham looked great yesterday. Cooper Cup does Cooper Cup stuff. Uh, Kendall Blanton stepped up when when uh, Higby went out and just played outstanding. So if if they can run the ball, uh, we know they've got a great defense with Miller and Don, Donald uh, and Jalen Ramsey. Uh, it's probably best if they get a safety back so that Eric Weddle doesn't have to play safety. Uh, it, it's a great story coming back, you know, two games into the playoffs to to help your team, your former team get to the Super Bowl. But man, you know, dude, dude, there's a reason he was home. So, uh, but the Rams, you know, they, they, their defense makes plays and uh, Joe is going to, Joe can get wild with it. I'm not going to be surprised that uh, if Joe has a couple turnovers in the game, just because he believes that he can make plays and, you know, he's going up against a pretty good defense. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. I was really happy uh, for Stafford. I've liked him for a long time. Um, it was kind of cool that, that he's going to get to be in there. <laughs> yeah. My Lions fandom there. Um. I am not bitter that he's there. I'm happy for him. I wasn't incredibly impressed with their running game either. I do wonder if Darrell Henderson actually, we had thought he might get activated for the NFC Championship game. Didn't happen, but with two more weeks, uh, maybe they pull him off. And it'll be interesting to see the rotation. Cam Akers also got banged around a little bit. I know they were looking at his shoulder. Those are the kind of things sometimes that you can get a shot and go back into a game, but if you had to go in the next week, this looking less likely. You mentioned to Higby there, the other both Super Bowl teams lost their starting tight end at some point in those games. Have to see if he uh, if he can come back. But I I liked what I saw from Blanton. Um, really seems like OBJ is settled in and has a great rapport with Stafford. I mean, I thought that was one of the better games I've seen from him in 
I know we're just digging the knife into Browns fans right now, but one of the better games I've seen for him in probably five years. Yeah, he he, he looks great. Here's here's, and it's going to come off as crapping on OBJ, and probably rightfully so. It's great he caught nine passes for 113 yards, but Cooper Cup caught more passes for more yards, and Cup got all the touchdowns, and it, it'll be hunky dory. But if they, the team starts to struggle and OBJ is still not getting the touchdowns, then you're going to get another video from his dad about his, how, where he's open in the end zone. Uh, I don't know, man. I, I was probably the most impressive thing to me um, for OBJ. That game was nothing that he did during the course of the game. It was seeing him go over and give a hug to Debo Samuel and talk to him after that game. I thought that was a classy – Move and you know I know when all that happened midseason with the Browns, you know our friend Matt um, didn't think that was all on OBJ. We'll see what happens. I think if they win a Super Bowl, that's going to cover over a lot of things. Personally, for me, I'm super pumped to uh, see Von Miller. You know I love I love Von and I'm going to be pulling for him and and Matthew Stafford and I'm excited. Hopefully, I just want the Rams offense to actually look like the Rams offense, not like the last time they were in the Super Bowl. I put up a total of three points. Well, they don't have Jared Goff, and they're not going against Bill Belichick. So, Well, Dennis, we've been looking at uh, two teams that built themselves into winners. How can our fantasy friends spend this offseason building their teams into winners? You know, it's interesting because the two teams kind of did it different ways. One spent all their draft picks to get veterans, and the other one used all their draft picks to get young studs. Uh, You can use the Dynasty GM to help you dominate your Dynasty League. The Dynasty GM from DynastyNerds.com is the tool you'll need to get the job done. It integrates seamlessly with your MFL, Sleeper, Flea Flicker, and FFPC leagues. Use the league analyzer to identify your team's strengths and weaknesses. Use the trade calculator to put together league-winning deals. The player shares tracker keeps track of your roster ship. So when you get those stinkers on your team, if you're like me and play in 20 leagues, sometimes those guys get lost and you're like, oh, wait a minute, I've got Brady and Gronk on the same team that I thought was a competitive team. Oh, no. Um Get exclusive rankings and more. Use code ROUNDTABLE, all one word, ROUNDTABLE, for 15% off the monthly or annual subscription. You can bundle it with the Dynasty G- bundle the Dynasty GM with the Nerd Herd to save even more. You get the Nerd Herd. It, we're in rookie draft season, getting ready for rookie drafts. Go into the Nerd, the nerd Herd and look at the Dynasty Prospect film room. You can see cut-ups on all the rookie uh, offensive players that are coming out, wide receivers, quarterbacks. Watch a full game in six to ten minutes uh, of just about any player. See every play from every game, not just the highlights. All right. Well, before we get out of here today, we wanted to touch on a couple of housekeeping things. The first is this is our 498th episode. Whoa. And you know why that really matters? It's because next Monday – when hopefully all three of us are back together, reunited, and it feels so good, we will be celebrating our 500th episode. Can you believe it, Dennis? I can't believe it. It's been, it's wild when we started talking about it a couple months ago about when, oh, wait a minute, I think we're coming up. We're coming up, and we started looking, and we finally narrowed down how many shows we'd actually done. It's like, wow. And Matt, you know, the first season, Matt did four shows a week by himself. So... That was crazy. So you can expect next week, uh, as we begin Super Bowl week, we'll do some fun stuff, but we are going to have a little bit of a celebration and some fun, and there may even be some special prizes and giveaways. So we want to encourage you all to tune in live next Monday as we hit 500. Uh, The other thing that I wanted to make sure to update before we go is the playoff competition. No, we have not forgotten. Yes, I have been scoring it every week. We have one more round to go, which is the Super Bowl. But since almost all of us picked Cooper Cup, it's really going to come down to which bangle you picked and whether that bangle can have a career day. Because right now, Eric 
Jonathan, I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly, is in the lead, 527.36 points. Right behind him in second place is Derek Brown, 511.96. So he's got some ground to make up if he wants to do it. And then Jester, 388, is currently in third at 510.76 points. Among the three of us, our friend Matt Bruning leads the way, 493.96 points. I made some... uh, Buffalo not only broke my heart when they lost, they really screwed my playoff competition bracket. I'm just going to be honest. I'm in like four different kinds of these things. Man, I am so bad at it. It's not <laughs> I am just awful. Well, you know, maybe you'll have a big, uh, a big Super Bowl. I don't remember. I'm pretty sure all three of us picked up. Almost everyone – in the competition pick cup, there was one guy that picked the Rams defense who must have thought that the Rams were going to lose in round one. Got to be a bummer. And one took a shot on Tyler Higby. So that's been a little bit of a, a bummer too. Uh, but almost all of us have Cooper Cup, and he has been incredible. He had 33.3 points in the divisional round. He had 37 points yesterday. Um, he's been an amazing scoring machine. So before we, uh, we call it night, anything you want to throw out there? Uh, tune in to Sirius XM Channel 87 Fantasy tonight around 11 o'clock. I'm going to be on with Mike Dempsey if you haven't had enough of me already. Never enough. Never enough. On Friday, we are going to be back. Uh, Matt uh, is tracking to return. We're going to, we have him currently on the IR, but we're looking at activating him You know, Thursday afternoon, depending on how he heals up. We are probably going to look at our rookie QB profiles. I'm not going to guarantee it because it feels like every time we say we're going to do it, it doesn't happen. We may also <laughs> branch into rookie RBs, and if Matt is back, we will definitely dive more into the Senior Bowl. But until then, have a great week. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Do you got your popcorn ready? I came out the wrong line ready. And he's hit the end zone for an unbelievable touchdown. I would be honored if you played this game.